Hello, I'm Oliver Wang. And I'm Morgan Rhodes. You're listening to Heat Rocks. Every episode, we invite a guest to join us to talk about a heat rock, you know, flammable fire, a banger and such. Today, we'll be deep diving together into D'Angelo's <clears throat> debut 1995 album, My Lord, Brown Sugar. Let me tell you about this girl. Maybe I should. I met her in Philly and her name was Brown Sugar. See, we be making love constantly. That's why my eyes are a shade. Blood burning. The way that we kiss is unlike any other way that I be kissing when I'm kissing what I'm missing. Yeah, he showed up on Tuesday, July the 4th, 1995, six months after Montel Jordan was extolling the virtues of South Central's mode of operation and mixed in with a sea of other salacious soul singles. And I want to shout out my alliteration right now. Nice, Faith, nice job. I appreciate it. <laughs> Faith Evans, ex- Escape Boys to Men, Mulkin Steph, Adina Howard, Jodeci, and others. And then along came a hero on the Hammond B3 rep in Virginia, Corn Road and Bashful and Supremely Gifted, with a story about a girl from Philly who got his eyes a shade of bloodshot burgundy. Who knew they could do that? <laughs> Ali Shaheed Muhammad helped him with that one. Raphael Sadiq helped him with Lady, but the rest was all him. To be sure, D'Angelo Michael Archer's brown sugar was a heat rock, reminding us that beauty is in the ear and the dreaming eyes of the beholder. He was 21 years old. To talk about brown sugar, we invited DJ Mona Lisa. I got to know her as one of the resident DJs for the long-running Smash Monday Night Party here in Los Angeles, Motown on Mondays. She's also a member of the Omoja Hi-Fi Sound System and KPL All-Stars. You can also catch her once a month on her own radio show on dublab.com called The Paths of Rhythm, which actually used to be my radio show, my first radio show out in college in 1994. So great minds think alike and great minds listening to... Tribe Called Quest alike. Uh, Mona Lisa, welcome to Heat Rocks. Thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here. So you've selected D'Angelo, and you have helped this show check off another Soulquarians <laughs> member, since we've already discussed commons like Water for Chocolate and Erica Badu on the show. So we got to ask, why D'Angelo, and then why Brown Sugar? Well, I mean, to tell the story of how I got introduced to the album, I started working, uh, I used to work in the music business doing marketing and promotion. And um, I was hired as the West Coast Regional Director for Wild Pitch Records, which was a hip hop label. So I was, I had to go work in the SEMA office, which is a distributor for um, Virgin and um, EMI and different labels. So everybody else in the office is all corporate button down shirts. And I come in with my hoodie and my, you know, my sneakers and I move in and I'm like, hey, what's popping? You know, whatever. And they're just like, okay, we got a cool girl in the office or whatever. So the girl that was getting me situated, she says, you know, she's like, um, and it was like maybe my third day in there. She says, you know, I want to give you this CD. I think you're going to love it. This is guy. His name is D'Angelo. And we've all been blown away by this album. And I think you'll like it. I'm like, okay, I'm thinking that he's a rapper. And then she gives me the CD and I look at it. I'm like, brown sugar. I'm like, okay, maybe this is some cool R&B stuff. I put that CD in Mm. and I was in that office for about five and a half months. Every day it played in there. I mean, I would have to stop it to play something that I was actually working that I had to (laughs) get familiar with. But as soon as I was done listening to that, take it out, brown sugar would go back in. It's one of those albums that 
it's there's nothing wrong with it. There's not there is not a nothing, not a note off, not a word off. It's just it's like one of the most perfect albums, and it just flows. the 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 track sequencing is perfect. Mm. The it gives you everything. You get a little bit of hip hop. You get a little bit of jazz. You get some soul. You get sexy. You get like a little bit of you know knowledge it's it's all kind of stuff in there the word player brown sugar whereas you know you really have to i mean nowadays you don't but back then you had to think is he talking about what i think he's talking about wait a minute <laughs> right is he talking about a woman or wait, right wait eyes are shaded wait right so the reason i picked it is because it's one of those albums that if i'm just like feeling like you know having a cool day and you know cleaning the house or whatever just throw on brown sugar and it just flows and it's like the soundtrack to my day what were your first impressions i mean i heard I heard it out of sequence. I heard it on CD, but I heard it out of sequence. So for whatever reason, we didn't start at song one. The first song I heard was Jones in My Bones. And I was like, good Lord. I think I was shocked first because since Billy Preston, I hadn't heard another soul singer with on an organ. So that was the first thing that shocked me. Um, and then, you know, he was corn rolled, he had the leathers, and I was like, wait, what? But I think the the thing that stood out to me more was this was a brother playing the organ. What were your first impressions of Just the album? Everything musically, like, and and they, they kind of gave me a little bit of background on the people in the in the office that they I didn't know about uh, Alicia Shaheed Muhammad and Raphael Sadiq till I actually got the album with the credits. Because sure. I just had a CD with his face on it. Sure, you sure. Know? So... They're like, yeah, he's like Prince. Like, he did everything himself. And I was mm. like, are you kidding me? Like, he <laughs> So I'm thinking that he's, you know, all of this is, and it's just, again, the sounds, like everything, even the way it was mastered, like you can hear every little piece of it. You can hear all the instruments as they play. And it's just, I, I just thought it was, it, it was groundbreaking for me because it was something like I'd never heard before. It was right. like the first time I heard Prince. I mean, mm. you know, just to wow. go there. Like right. when I, I remember the first time I saw Prince on American Bandstand and I was just like, who is this? Like, and then my sister got the album. It w- gave me that same feeling. Like I've never heard anything like this before. I want everybody to hear it. I want everybody to know about it. And I went talking about him to everybody that I knew. I mean, he would have been different anyway, but he was different in this year with all the aforementioned yes. artists that I named. He just didn't sound like anything else. Morgan, in your intro, one of the things I love is pointing out the constellation of other R&B acts and basically setting up the stage for the moment in which D'Angelo enters into this. And I was thinking about in our earlier episode when we had Fonte talking about the about intros album, just that R&B in the 90s was not one thing. I mean, you had a lot of different people trying to play with different sounds. And so you had the New Jack Swing crowd. Yeah. You had the hip hop soul crowd, which was basically you know, people crooning over just straight up rap beats, right? Um, you had sort of updated quiet storm type stuff. <laughs> yeah. And then D'Angelo wanders into this and it doesn't, I mean, it sounds like something you've heard before insofar as it's a throwback to sort of 70s, Donny Hathaway, sure. you know, Billy Preston, the, the people that you mentioned, but it doesn't sound like R&B in that moment. And 
what I think is interesting is that all of these artists on some level as soul artists had to respond to the dominance of hip hop and each of them chose a different strategy to respond to it. What do you think was, what is hip hop about D'Angelo? I mean, he's not making rap songs, but he seems to have very much some kind of hip hop sensibility that allows him to wander into this moment and seem completely natural, organic in what everything else was sounding like then. I think take a freestyle fellowship, for example, mm. those guys, the way they they flow, they can do any kind of rhyme. They can do any kind of jazz thing. And when he starts singing and the stuff that he's singing about and the way he's singing it, it kind of gives you the idea that he can do anything. It just gives you that impression without him having done everything for you. You just get that. Once you hear him start singing, you feel like, you know, he can go high, he can go low, he can go here, he can go there. And it just gives you that 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 open thing where you can hear you know, just about anything. Um, and I think what made him stand out then as well is because a lot of people weren't bringing jazz into it. It was more hip hop, more hardcore, yeah. more real, like, you know, something to grab you right away. But his kind of slid in on you and then got inside of you. And you couldn't separate him from his instrument. Right. We were presented with a dude that was sitting, you know, playing the organ, mm -hmm. which is churchy. Right. Mm -hmm. And then outside of that, he looked the part, you know, I think the cover, he's got his corn, he's got a brown leather jacket on. And the videos at that time, I mean, this is a brother from the hood singing soul songs and singing them really differently. You know, Fonte alluded to the change in R&B and how, how brothers, how singers were starting to look really different. You know, right. they were sagging that on their Tims. D'Angelo fit right into that. It was very night from 1993 to 1995. Mm -hmm. You saw the shift. I love this quote from allmusic.com's uh, Stefan Erlwine, who says that, quote, he doesn't, meaning D'Angelo, he doesn't cut and paste older songs with hip-hop beats. Instead, he attacks the forms with a hip-hop attitude. And mm. I think that actually kind of covers it or nails it because, again, it's not like, you know, you, you were not listening to a D'Angelo song that was just looping up whatever the hot 1993 hip-hop song was, which is a lot of artists did that. And it, it worked for a lot of folks, but that was not the tip that D'Angelo was on. And what kills me is that he was 21 when he put this out. Right. You know, playing with styles that were around before he was even born. Like, right. It's crazy to think about. Well, what we know about being 21 is you can be a genius at 21. We were just mm. talking about Michael Jackson and Off the Wall. Yeah. And, yeah, uh, yeah. and he was 21. But what I liked about, what was groundbreaking to me about um, D'Angelo was, to me, he showed up with no introduction. This was before, even though he had street teams back then, I didn't hear anything about D'Angelo before he came on the scene. Mm -hmm. So not only was it a surprise, I think we it us being surprised by his sound was informed like there was no notice. No one was like, we got this hot new. He just showed up on the scene while I was listening to One Sweet Day with Mariah <laughs> Carey and Boys to Men. Shout out to them. But he stepped all in the middle of Motown Philly and was like, here I come, mm -hmm. talking about something different and still to this day. We don't know if brown sugar is actually a metaphor for some other situation. <laughs> we can get into that a little bit later, <laughs> a little bit later. Mm -hmm. but we don't know. But he came out swinging. Yes, he did. D'Angelo almost, I think, single-handedly helped introduce us to the concept of neo-soul. I shouldn't say single-handedly because obviously Angie Stone, Erica Badu, Joy. they all did their part also by that time. But he was really the first on the scene to do it. What I mean, looking back now, I mean, 20 years later, what exactly did Neo Soul was it? What was it supposed to mean and represent? And in, in your own in your own thoughts? Well, I used That's to work for Kedar. Kedar Massenberg was his manager. Was the person that put him out, um, and I, he did the same with Erica Badu, um, and then D'Angelo and and Angie Stone worked together. So it's all they're all kind of related, right? But. Um, his vision was that it's the new version of soul. Like mm. there's the soul that we know that's like that, like the, the, you know, 
the newer stuff was more getting off the subject of real soul. It was more like, hey, girl, I want to get with you. Yeah, yeah. As opposed to being like, I want to romance you. I want to take you to dinner. I want to cool you. But it, it's, he, I don't think he wanted it to be like that traditional, you know, uh, that traditional dating, like, let's go uh, on a date. Let's go to dinner. It's like, I want to, you know, I want to sex you up, but I still want to do it the old school way and kind of <laughs> ease it in a little bit. Right. So he had a vision that he was looking for. And with every artist, he relayed that vision to them and they portrayed it in their own creative way. I keep coming back to just when he does it because 95 is really, it just feels early in the grand scheme of the 90s in terms of how things are changing over that time. I mean, in the hip hop world, the roots are an obvious sort of companion to this and what they're playing with. But in Soul, it's just, it was such a different sound to me, to it. And both of you were sharing your memories about hearing D'Angelo for the first time. And my intro was not through the album, it was certainly through the single, through Brown Sugar itself. And just thinking like, wow, like this is, this is not, doesn't sound like Mary J, doesn't sound like Boys to Men, like none of that. And I guess what I was thinking of, it sounds like what not, it wasn't music that was sampling something. It was trying to make music that sounds like the stuff that everyone else is sampling. And that was the obvious, a huge influence in terms of what he was trying to get uh, accomplished with this. It felt true. It didn't, he didn't feel like a poser. And you know, you don't feel like a poser when you remix Smokey Robinson. When you do cruising, that takes, you gotta have heart. I knew with Smokey Robinson is classic. It's precious. To, it's one of the Black national anthems, along with "Before I Let Go." Maze, you're gonna hear it, because um, there are there's more than one Black national anthem. Right. Okay, Frankie Beverly and Maze is is a part of that. But I never thought for one moment, why did you do that? I thought this is dope and it's different. And he made cruising sexy. Mm-hmm. Smokey's is soulful. D'Angelo's is sexy. How'd you feel about the cover? Well, I was a fan of the original, of course. So I just feel like he added that oregano and seasoning and <laughs> basil and, you know, and, and cumin. Just put <laughs> put some put some oomph underneath it. And yes. I was like, yes, that made it the same thing. I mean, we're not talking about voodoo right now, but when he did feel like making love, same thing. Yeah. Like he just put a little oomph underneath it and, and, and made it new again. So it made me go listen to the other to the to Smokey's version and appreciate it ten times more because yeah. of the different plays on it. I mean, you gotta have some stones to be like, I'm just not gonna do any Smokey. Mm-hmm. I'm doing cruising. Right. But I like how he nailed all the parts and just took them a little further. Yeah. But right. but everything it's it's it was the same, but just a notch higher, and it was beautiful. Maybe if you hear this too, he he sings behind the beat. He's never really on the beat. Mm. It's a little bit sleepy. Mm-hmm. And to me, his presentation, how he presented himself and also how he sang, was always a little bit sleepy behind the beat. Cruising, 
We'll be back with more of our conversation with DJ Mona Lisa about D'Angelo's brown sugar after a brief word from her other Max Fun podcast. Don't go anywhere. What's a great French film about lady cannibals? What's the song of the summer? How do you say cheese in Spanish? What should I binge watch next? Hey, how did Crash win Best Picture? I'm still mad about that. For answers to these questions and so much more, come on over to Pop Rocket, a pop culture roundtable show with me, Guy Branham. Winter Mitchell. Margaret Wappler. And Karen Tongson. Catch us every Wednesday on MaximumFun.org or wherever you decide to get your podcasts. I'm not going to (laughs) judge. In a world dominated by Dude Bro Movie Podcasts. A world where Casey Affleck has an Oscar and Angela Bassett does not. Only one podcast is brave enough to call bullshit. Who shot ya? With Ricky Carmona. A lot of people don't know Porgs, Puerto Rican. Alonzo Duralde. I would eat Oakjaw. <gasps> April Wolf. I want to interrupt and say yes. that the fish man was real sexy. Drea Clark. I have a real soft spot for King Kong. And women of color. I was like, damn! Right, Kugel got final cut! Kugel got final cut! I just felt like the film was so sour and so completely irrelevant to basically anything in life. Who shot ya? Listen every Friday on Maximum Fun or wherever you get your podcasts. We have a special announcement here on Heat Rocks. We'll be doing another live taping of the show in downtown Los Angeles coming up Saturday, March the 3rd. Yo, our guest will be Justin Simeon, creator of Dear White People on Netflix. And we'll be talking about Michael Jackson's history album from the late 1990s. We will again be teaming up with the Voyager Institute. And the event will be held at Resident in the Arts District of downtown Los Angeles. The event is 21 and over but it is free and we'll be getting things started around five o'clock once again that's on march the third we really hope y'all can join us and we are back on heat rocks talking d'angelo's debut album brown sugar with dj mona lisa i want to know this mona lisa as a dj does d'angelo still knock in the clubs yes absolutely i mean like i we do motown on mondays and Cruising is a Motown song, so whenever we play it, people, oh, you just hear the crowd like, ooh, like, you know, it's, it's you don't hear the clapping or the or the yells or anything. You just hear the ooh, and they just get excited. And I do this thing sometimes where I mix them together, so I'll play Smokey and DMs at the same time, and then raise and lower the levels because some parts it works and some it doesn't. So yeah. you got to do it at the right moment. Look at but, you, all right. Out yeah. here killing, Mona Lisa. Out here killing. Fire track on the album. I will pick mine first because I'm self-absorbed. <laughs> Um, my fire track on the album is Me and Those Dreaming Eyes of Mine. When I first saw you, baby, 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 I wanted to die. Me and those dreaming eyes of mine started to cry. I mean, a testament to to D'Angelo is I've always 
seen people enjoy it the same way we're enjoying it right now, head nodding. I have never seen anyone try and sing it. I guess brothers knew, like, listen, this is not your lane. You know what I'm saying? Be in the moment sonically. Don't take the moment away. But I love that song. I love his, uh, Melissa, to your point, um, his vocals. I love the backgrounds. I love him and his own backgrounds. Yes. Mm-hmm. I fell deeper in love uh, with this song not that not that long ago, a couple years ago, when I heard the Dilla uh, remix of this song, which to me uh, made me love Dilla even more. So, Mona Lisa, what is your fire track off of here? My fire track is Shit Damn Motherfucker. So the reason I, I this is my fire track is because when I was listening to it, I remember the first time I listened to it, and I believe this is track number six, right? Is it six? It is five. Five, okay. Well, it's close. Anyway, <laughs> um, when I was first listening to it and it came on, I was like, oh, this is vampy. This is okay. You know, and I'm listening, and I'm like, okay. And then I started listening to the words, and I'm like, right. uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, okay. And then I'm like, this is, okay, interesting topic. And then I hear the hook, shit, damn, motherfucker. I was like, oh, okay. And I'm thinking, okay, we're not going to hear this on the radio. So. Yeah, exactly, no. right. But then as it went further and further and I started hearing the rest of the song, I was just like, okay, well, this is, you know, but that stood out for what it was. And no one, there was no one singing like that. No one saying that. No one, shit, damn, motherfucker at the, at the time. And it was no. just. I mean, I'm used to songs about infidelity, but I'm thinking <laughs> yeah, Hank yeah. Williams, you're cheating hard. Me and Mrs. <laughs> yeah. Jones, Jolene, right. Right. Cry Me a River. Yeah. Right. But it took a dark turn towards the <laughs> oh, end. Oh, yes, it did. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God. It, but it's still a jam, though. Yeah, this, this is not reasons. This is this is, not, <laughs> ooh, this is way different, way deeper. So it, it gave you a picture of where, you know, subject-wise, where his mind could go. But it also, but he kept it sexy. Like, even though you're thinking, like, what is going on? He, did he kill these people? Like, right. But, you're but still, he's still grooving. It, but it's still sexy, though. It's still, you're still there for it. So off of this album, my fire track would also probably double as my sleeper track, if only because <laughs> it's not one of the major singles, but we, we, we had mentioned earlier, um, which is by far like the jazziest song on here, which is When We Get By. You know, obviously, you could certainly set up a very tough battle royale befo- between Brown Sugar and Voodoo. And what tips the balance for me is is this song, is when we get by. I mean, off, I mean, this the whole song, the whole album is great, but this song, maybe partially because it sounds so different than everything else, is the one track I will always, always, always come back to. And it's, I mean, it, to me, is it is the essence of of being sublime in terms of whatever that term means to someone. This is the example that you could you could use for it. 
I mean, and this is sort of a gospel song as well, right? Or sort of spiritual, spiritual-esque. It has that feel, yeah. yeah. For me, it's like the middle. It, it's right in the middle of the album, so it just kind of like, it's like a relaxing point. I mean, not that the whole album's not relaxing, but it's like it's <laughs> right. taking you all these different places, and then you get to the middle, and you just kind of Cause where just does kind of this... kick back and chill on that one, and then it takes you back into the ride. What is your sleeper cut off of Brown Sugar? My sleeper cut is All Right. That bass line? Yes. I was like, oh. And it's right after Brown Sugar. So you're like, it's to me, it feels like the album kind of starts over. Like it starts and then. And then it it, it it goes into everything else. But like Brown Sugar is like the single. It's like, okay, we heard that already. So you feel like it starts over when that song comes on. And it's just, it's it's spiritual and it's yep. warm and it's sexy and that bass line. And yes. gritty. I mean, the drums yes. on there and the bass line as you're pointing out. I mean, if this is, the, Brown Sugar is a much kind of cleaner cut. I don't mean in, in terms of song content, but sure. the production of it. And then All Right kind of just takes you down a little bit into the dirt on that. Right. To your point, it being cleaner, I mean, that that shit damn motherfucker was the dirtiest song on there says a lot because we were right before the moment where, you know, R&B really, really changed. So this was sexy without being, to me, dirty. I know this is, I'm having an also an auntie moment because somebody's <laughs> like, that ain't even. But that's how it was. It was sexy. It was, it was sexual innuendo. It was metaphors to what I said earlier. We don't really know what brown sugar really means or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? I know what it means on the streets. But I don't know. D'Angelo's got to come in and tell us himself. So... You've been you've been alluding to this, and clearly I have not been up on my literary analysis of Brown Sugar. So, what are the what are the multiple meanings? I mean, I just assume it's a song about sex. Like, am I, am I what am I missing here? Yep. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <laughs> okay. and you know, certain you know situations, certain uh, parts. You know okay. what I mean? <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah, certain physiological. Okay. Yeah. So brown sugar, right? To in some circles represents in certain right. certain areas. But I, I mean, I always think of the Rolling Stones song, right? Which is let's just put it out there, kind of oh problematic, my, right? It's but, super problematic. But that's also talking about the same idea. So in the, in a sense, I don't think of D'Angelo. I don't think he changes the meaning from what we we have already been accustomed to within pop music, at least. Except he ain't referenced in slavery. Yes, that's right. true. Very, you know what I'm saying? So difference. Sticky Fingers was a decent album. <laughs> but uh, but their brown sugar, I was like, wait a minute, what, Mick Jagger? Mm-hmm. Slave trades and slave ships? I was like, nah, son. <laughs> nah. So if there was a song, I mean, this is this is tough, but if there was a song that you would like to see, you know, remixed or redone, which one would it be? And by who? And by who? Oh, this is hard. Yeah, this Ooh, is the key. This is hard. I would want to hear Napalm mm. sing one of these songs, but I'm trying to think of which one because her voice is so crazy. She mm-hmm. could she could kill when we get by. She could also kill um, 
higher. She could kill cruising. But I love her voice. I mean, I, she could sing nursery rhymes and I'd be like, yes. Do you think it's sacrilegious to even suggest someone take on a song? From I mean, kind of because, but I mean, that's why I mentioned her because she's one of those people that can make, she's just like him. Like he made cruising sound better. Right. She has a cover of Spanish Harlem that is, mm. that is fire. So, I mean, I think if anybody could, she could, but there's only a handful of people that I would even say, you know, I would even give that to. How about you, Morgan? Uh, be Bilal. And I'd have Bilal do Jones in my bones. Mm-hmm. That that'd be me. That seems too easy, though. Well, but the other the other <laughs> option is something that can't happen. And I would love to have heard Prince do "When We Get By." Oh, so that's not possible. Oh, you got me in my feels now. Or I would that. want Prince to do higher. He Oof. could because the the that gospel. Because I mean, it's like it's like higher is like a door to me. Yep. It's not as long, of course, but it's got that same kind of under underlying gospel church feeling but it's not a church song right you know and i mean now i'm in my feels and stuff because we know we know that can't happen but mm-hmm. i just i mentioned she's always in my hair because that's one of my favorite prince songs and here in d'angelo's i was like this is dope and i didn't think you could improve upon princes and i don't know that he improved but he just was in the building it was just a it was just dope i was just like come on With D'Angelo, for you as a fan of his music, as someone who plays his music out, I mean, this is someone who probably could have been more prolific, but for a variety of reasons wasn't. You know, three albums over the course of, what, almost 20 years. Do you ever feel, are you one of those fans who are really wish he put out more? Or are you satisfied or content with the, what's, what is out there from his catalog? I'm, I'm honestly content based on his background um i just if i could tell a story real quick yeah when he came out when the cd came out and i, I told you i'd been listening to it for months he came out and he came to do i want to say it was either the wake-up show or, or the joint uh with mike nardone and ems i can't remember what show he did but he came to 92.3 the beat and kedar brought him to the station and i was used to hang out at the station all the time just to you know soak up game or whatnot yeah and so he came in and kedar introduced him to me i used to be kedar's intern when I first started in the music business. So that's why I keep mentioning his name because he was a big part of my earlier part of my career. So he introduced me to him and he says, hey, how you doing? I'm I'm uh, Michael. And I was like, Michael, <laughs> nice to meet you. And he's like, well, D'Angelo. And I was like, okay. And I was just like tripping, like, okay. It's like, he's introducing him to me, like, you know, like, anyway. So we start talking. I said, yes, yeah. I, I got your album like three months ago. I work at the distribution company and I've been listening to it and I love it. He's like, oh, you really like it? He's like, cool. He's like, so, yeah. He's like, so we should hang out later. And I'm like, okay. There was a Soul Train party later on that night. I was like, yeah, we're going to go after we leave here. We're all going to the party. He's like, yeah, we're going too. So, yeah, we'll, we'll definitely meet over there. And so I got over there and as soon, I was there for like three minutes and he came over and found me like, hey, Mona, hey, let's go. And we went and had some brown sugar. And... Um, <laughs> That was fun. But basically, he was talking to me about, yeah, you know, I, I, you know, I work with, and he was the one that was telling me about Rafael Sadiq and mm. Ali Shahi, but I didn't know what songs. He's just like, yeah, they did some album. I, you know, I did this, you know. And he was telling me all about his working on the album and just talking to me. And he was so down to earth and so cool and so, but he was real shy. He yeah. wasn't like, you know, flamboyant, like, yeah, my album's coming out. I'm excited, whatever. He was just like, yeah, you know, I, you know, real, you know. And he was 
hanging around me, but like not on no, you know, nothing sure. romantic or nothing like that. Just on some like, hey, this is a cool girl I met at the station, whatever. And I'm just hanging around with him. And everybody's like, is that D'Angelo? I'm like, yeah, that's D'Angelo. You heard of him? And, you know, <laughs> his name was still getting around or whatever. So, you know, people had heard Brown Sugar, but they didn't know what he looked like. Yeah. I think the video had, had been going around or whatever, but it was just real early. So, um, you know, just getting to know him as a person and knowing how shy he was. He was very, you know, jacket covered, very, you know. Yeah had a lot on, you know. So then, you know, when Voodoo came out and the shirt came off yeah. and the abs right. came out, it <laughs> it was it kind of took away from his artistry mm. and made it more about how he looked as opposed to how he sounded. Yeah. And that took a lot out of his desire to create. Right. Because he wanted people to hear him that he didn't want people to see him. But when he did that untitled video, it was like, all right, so what are we doing here? What's what's right. what, what's you know? So there was those people that still wanted to hear him, and those people that were like, oh, they just wanted to see him. Right. So he got stuck in that, and it made him very self conscious. So um, and you know, it's not like we kept in touch or anything, but I could just tell by how he was moving and how things were happening in his life that. It was starting to affect his, his artistry because people were more focused on his look than his sound. It, it kind of not uninspired him, but he wasn't. He well, didn't, it, it messed him up. Yeah, I mean, this, it messed him up. A lot of people who worked with him have basically spoke to that. And that yeah, yeah it, it, I think it surprises people because we just assume that the D'Angelo in Untitled, that was him. But really, that was some video director's idea of like what to do. And it was it was a great decision in terms of for the quality of the video. It was a really bad decision for like his career because right. I mean, it, 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 he turned into a recluse after that. Right? Yeah, because he got in shape for his health and for his outlook, yeah. for his image. But because of that, it made it more about his image and less about his music. And it just and I would have hated for him to make another album and try to be something that he wasn't. So I'm wondering when Black Messiah finally came out, and it, you know it dropped out of the sky, out of nowhere. Maybe you had advanced work, but for everyone I knew, we're like, "Yo, yo there's a new D'Angelo." I'm like, "Wait, what?" Right. It was a lot of buzz around about it coming, but nobody knew when right. it was coming or how it was coming. But it just came. How did it hit you? As far as this sonically, yeah. like what it sounded like, yeah. I, I, for one thing, it came out at the perfect time because it dropped at the same time, if I'm not mistaken, as Kendrick Lamar's album and Kamasi Washington's album, and so I call them the trifecta of awesomeness <laughs> because all three of them, for all three of them, had black and white covers. Yep. All three of them were talking about what we needed to hear as a people, and just what was going on in the world and right. just everything, and it and it was for it to sound the way it did. It, it made me feel good inside because I knew, you know, based on what he went through artist, you know, artist wise and personally that his he was more about I want you to listen to what I'm saying and I want you to hear me. Like, don't look at me. Don't because my picture's not on the album and yeah. I'm not here with my abs out. I'm here trying to tell you guys something that you need to be hearing. And he gave it to us exactly how we expected him to give it to us. I think a lot there was a big complaint about the sound of the album. Like it didn't it wasn't loud enough or it wasn't, right. you know, but I think that was kind of done strategically to make you listen harder mm. and make you hear what he was saying. Mm. You know, the the only issue that I had was that there was such a, a, a long wait for me between Brown Sugar and Voodoo and Voodoo and Black Messiah that I was just so, there were so many rumors that what he was going to come, you know, every year someone was like, oh, you know, D'Angelo's coming back. Mm -hmm. And so I was so tired of waiting because he's one of my favorite artists. Mm -hmm. The good thing about Black Messiah to me is that 
it explained, it answered a lot of questions. It threw off the table, you know, I've been broken down, I've gone through something, I'm coming back and I've come coming back supremely woke. Mm-hmm. These are the things that I've been thinking about while I was away. Right. So all your speculation, whatever you, you know, whatever you thought, this is the message. And I think going back to voodoo, the untitled thing, took everyone away from what he was trying to say, which Mm -hmm. was that you can look at the album cover. like, And so there were so many things in that soup. There was Devil's Pie. There was Great Day in the Morning. There was Untitled. There was Africa. Mm -hmm. And when you got to Untitled, it sort of obscured everything else that he was trying to say about where he was. Mm -hmm. Black Messiah was clear. This is where we are as a people. This is where I am as an artist, and this is what I'm talking about. Mm -hmm. So it was worth the wait. Absolutely. Well, on that note, Bringing it back to Brown Sugar, Mona Lisa, if you had to describe this album in just three words, what would those words be? <laughs> to be corny about it. Be anything. I would say crazy, sexy, cool. Mm. Because it's crazy, all the, the things that he's able to do as an artist. The song Shit Damn Motherfucker is crazy on its own. <laughs> the whole thing is sexy. Yeah. And it's just cool. Like it's it's, And he says it on, on uh, well, not on smooth, but it's like that cool, like... It just feels good. It's a feel-good album. It's 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 one of those things you can listen to to change your mood and to make you feel good and just to cool you off. If you're upset, if you're hectic, if you're going through something, you just put it on and it just relaxes you. So, crazy, sexy, cool. What about you? We never ask each other, but what about you in three words? I'm not ready for this. My bad. <laughs> I wasn't ready either, so there you go. <laughs> right. I mean, grooving comes to mind. Maybe that's just some plan for cruising, you know. I hate the word organic, but it just popped yeah. into my head. It, I just, it just gets overused too much, especially in this context. But this is sort of what started people using the word organic right. to apply this this sort of thing. And I would also have to say sexy. I mean, that's that's that that is you know it's the, it's the easiest one to pick there because it's so much of that is suffused into this. All right, Morgan. So you, now you got to clean. You, you got to play clean up here and, and come up with your three now. Mm-hmm. No pressure. <laughs> Timeless fire. Unforgettable. This is tough. It is. Mm-hmm. We really put our guests through a lot when we, we ask this. <laughs> we do. But, you know, we talk about, we or we've said of other albums, you know, listen to them. This is, what is this, 22 years old? This album is 22 years old? Yeah. It doesn't sound dated to me. Yeah. At all. I yeah. don't listen to it and go, oh, this is 1995. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That will do it for this episode of Heat Rocks with our special guest, DJ Mona Lisa. You can catch her in Los Angeles every Monday night at Motown on Mondays in Echo Park. You can also hear her Paths of Rhythm show once a month on dublab.com. Thanks for coming through. Where can people find you? Well, as you said, I am at Motown on Mondays. We all rotate as residents, so I'm not there every Monday, but I'm there. A lot of um, Mondays. A lot of Mondays. <laughs> um, also, I just, I, I kind of float around town, so you can catch me hanging out. Might catch me on the wheels, you never know. And um, on social media, my Twitter and Instagram is MonaLisa7872. You've been listening to Heat Rocks with me, Oliver Wang, and Morgan Rhodes. Our theme music is Crown Ones by Thess One of People Under the Stairs. Heat Rocks is produced by myself, Morgan, and Kara Hart. And today's show was engineered and edited by Kara. Our senior producer is Laura Swisher. An executive producer is Jesse Thorne. We are part of the Max Fun family, taping every week live in their studios. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram 
Instagram at HeatRocksPod. You can find a link to our Facebook group on our webpage, HeatRocksPod.com. That website is also where we will post show notes for every ep, including a track listing of everything that you heard today. Again, that is at HeatRocksPod.com. And if you have your own personal heat rock and the burden is on your heart to share it with us, do share it with us. Tell us what your heat rock is and why you love it. Good to see you, Morgan. Good to see you too, Oliver. And just one last thing, we want to give you a sneak peek at next week's episode right now. You know, I saw freestyle sessions where people were all rhyming melodically, where more than one person was going at the same time. Mm. And, you know, I didn't have a video camera or I didn't even have an audio recorder, but things that I saw in that period that have, you know, avenues that seemed extraordinarily fertile that never were investigated. I was lucky enough to see Billy Higgins and mm. Horace Tapscott play with the Freestyle mm. Fellowship. Mm. You know, people were aware, you know, lots of elders came, Ben Caldwell, you know, Kamau Daoud, great, great people, important figures in the history of black arts in Los Angeles came and understood what was happening with the Freestyle Fellowship. And Convolutions was kind of the door to that for me. That was just like I, the door, the, the explosion went off in my head. And uh, it's not a track, you know, it's kind of awkward answer, but no, but that was, that's yeah. the one for me. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.